0: Well, I hope everybody's doing well. How are you? It was a little bit of an interesting week, huh? We had this little thing called an election this past week. We're all still here, okay? Everything's good. Uh, Some of you stayed up late Tuesday night, I assume, yes? Some of you? Anybody been up all week? Anybody watched election coverage since tuesday some of you've been up all week you're you're not really all that rested today we may be a little flat that's okay we're going to get through all of this and it'll be good um, before I get into our text this morning, just a quick announcement. Mission Sunday, we're going to actually leave our giving windows open through the end of the year. We'll update you on progress so you'll be able to make some uh, contributions as we go. Also to participate in some additional things. I know coming up on November the 19th, dot uh, is having an online fundraiser please be checking communication on ways that you can log in and access that. So we're just going to let this be an opportunity when uh, we can continue to give. Uh, So back to the election. Obviously, the election evoked a little bit of emotion. Have you noticed? Have you noticed? uh, If you've been on any type of social media at all, uh, if you've just been basically in any kind of conversation, I was with Andy Armstrong on uh, Friday morning uh, in Whataburger, um, and uh, kind of a Texas tradition, right? Uh, I feel sorry for the rest of the country that's uh, waterburgerless, uh, But we got them here. And so uh, I just happened to be sitting there. And I, I actually thought two guys were going to get into a fist fight. Y'all been in similar situations where that's been the case? Anybody been in a fist fight? Uh, a little time for confession this morning. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting time. I don't know if you know this or not, but on Tuesday night... Uh, Google actually released on Twitter uh, search terms that came up. And here were a couple. Uh, Fast food was one that trended. Anxiety was one that trended. Move to Canada, that trended. But one of the the biggest ones was liquor store near me. That was one of the ones. And you can actually see the graph. See how it spiked up over there? Now, I got to tell you, this concerns me a little bit. You know, times have really changed. I mean, 50 years ago, I don't know if, if, if the demographic data would have been available. I'm not exactly sure this would have been the case. Let me tell you what did not trend. And this is, this is kind of disturbing to me. Church didn't trend. Prayer didn't trend. At least, apparently, not any more than normal. The Bible, the Word of God, none of this actually seemed to spike very much on election night. And peace on earth did not trend the other night. So we gather this morning. I don't know about you, but I, I kind of feel like a wrung out towel. Does that sound familiar? You know, my grandmother used to say that. Oh, I just feel like an old wrung out dish, dish towel. You know, maybe some of us are feeling that way. What a year 2020 has been. How many of us are going to look back 20 years from now and go, oh, 2020. Wow, that was awesome. I'm not so sure that many of us... Well, there are a lot of great things that have happened, right? And marriages and babies and, you know, lots of wonderful, good things to celebrate. But I don't know about you. We seem to be kind of weary. I think there's a lot to pray over. Our nation is still very divided. A lot of us are still at odds with each other. An election doesn't solve that. But we've got this phenomenal opportunity to thrive as believers, as instruments of peace. If there ever was such a time, surely it's now. Amen? And not just here in our, our nation, you know, but around the world. I, I think we, we believe that we have the answers that our nation needs. I, I think we believe that we have the answers that the world needs, and we believe those answers are in Scripture, and so we're going to turn our attention there this morning. As we continue in our series on being peacemakers, let's focus for just a few minutes in Luke chapter 2. I want to start reading at verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby Wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, and suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, "Glory to God in the highest heaven. and on earth, peace to those on whom His favor rests." When the angel left them and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, "Let's go to Bethlehem." Let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now, typically this text is often preached during the Christmas season, but as I prayed over the text for Mission Sunday, um, I I really couldn't think of a more fitting text for the opportunities that lie before us as a church. While the entire text is, is super powerful, we could spend hours talking about it, I just want to focus on a few key verses that are central to what we see happening here. The first is verse 14. Scripture tells us that the angels glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Let's take just a moment and look at the first half of verse 14, glory to God in the highest heaven. Why would the angels have chosen to open with that? Why say glory to God, who is above all else? Why would that be their starting point? We don't talk about this a lot. I've actually heard this text preached many times, and as far as I know, I I don't recall the greater context ever being talked about. I want you to think about a few things. First, it's been 400 years since God has spoken through the prophets. At this time, national leaders for Rome and even local government leaders in places like Bethlehem and throughout Judea were pretty ruthless people. Herod the Great, who was a local ruler who ruled at this time, you may not know this about him, but Herod the Great basically kind of went crazy. He was so concerned about successors to his throne that he actually had members of his own family who stood a chance of ultimately becoming king. He had all of them killed. This is the same Herod that according to Matthew, when he heard about the the report of the Christ child from the Magi, he actually had all of the boys in the Bethlehem region under two years of age slaughtered. According to uh, what we read at this time of history, it was a very, very difficult time to be alive. But into this chaos, into this loneliness, into this heartache, into this unpredictable time of hardship, much sadness and pain, God shows now I think we understand why the angels sing, glory to God. And what we see next is a testimony, the effect of what happens when God does show up. Because they continued their song, on earth peace, to those on whom His favor rests most beautiful lines in all of scripture on earth peace to those the text literally says in whom god delights that's believers who put their trust in him it's believers who are even in this very early glimpse of the coming of jesus are trusting that indeed he is messiah so that's verse 14 Let's take a few moments and see then what happens in verse 15. When the angels had left them, when the singing was over, when the pronouncement had been made, when the angels had left and gone back into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. And I want you to see that one phrase. I want you to notice what happens, the result of the message coming into their ears, coming in to their hearts. When people see the glory of God, And when people hear the message of God's peace, of His freedom, of His healing, of His renewal, of His reconciliation, of His setting the captives free, when people hear this, all that encapsulates what happens when God's peace comes into our lives, they can't sit still. People can't sit still. It's time to get up and move, and that's exactly what these shepherds do. And you may think, well, that's kind of cool. Here's this one instance, so what's the big deal? But I want you to notice a few parallels of what happens when people see the glory of God and when they hear the message of the peace that he brings. In Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 24, So Jesus said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them took what he had been lying on, and he went home praising God. You see here, church, faith is an action verb. Luke chapter 18, verse 40, Jesus stops, and he ordered the blind man to be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you, Lord? I want to see, the man replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. Faith is an action verb. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout the whole region and they carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard that he was. Mark 6, 54 and 55. Faith is an action verb. John chapter 4, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me any, everything that I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Say it with me. Faith is an action verb. Finally, in Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse 38, then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. And Philip baptized him, and when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch didn't see him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. Church, the truth is, the biblical response to the message of God's peace is to be messengers of God's peace. It's just another way to say that faith is an action verb. I'm just going to ask you to consider a handful of possibilities with me as we reflect on the response of the people of God to to bring the peace that God brings. And the first is this, every day is missions day, every day. Whether it's in our homes, our places of work, in the classroom, in our communities, as we've seen the past many weeks and months and years here at this church, even throughout the world. And it's so easy for us to think about out there, and we are to be out there. We are to be salt and light. Faith is an action verb. We have the message of Jesus. We have the peace of Christ. It is up to us and go to be ambassadors of that peace and to share this good news. But we also have got opportunity right here in this place, on our campus. Think about this. You see someone you don't recognize. At that moment, you have a choice to make. You can turn away, and you can duck your head, and you can say, I hope they don't see me. And you can walk by, okay, or you can risk it. You may be thinking to yourself, well, what if they've been here 20 years? That would be so embarrassing. Yeah, I would rather it be embarrassing and err on the, the side of trying to get to know someone that I don't know than to never make the contact at all. You see someone you don't recognize, let me challenge you, church. Introduce yourself. Welcome them to our church. Even if they have been here 20 years, oh, That's awesome. Walk over to the welcome center, sit down together. That's why we have tables and chairs in there. And then I want you just to ask one simple question. So, tell me about you. Take some time to introduce this person that you've just met to someone else, invite them to your small group, ask them to go out to lunch. Invite them to a Bible study. Do as much as you can to identify as much common ground as you can. Exchange contact information and commit to follow up. And later that week, follow up. Invite the newcomer to sit with your family next Sunday. Introduce them to the elders, introduce them to the ministers, to your small group, to your circle of friends. There is not one member of our church who should ever say, I just don't feel like I contribute anything around here. Nothing could be further from the truth. Every single Sunday, God sends people our way. And remember the example of our shepherds here in Luke chapter 2. They heard the good news that Jesus was on his way, and they couldn't sit still. They were compelled to go, to engage, to check it out for themselves, and ultimately to tell others, I pray we will do the exact same thing. And I believe with all my heart that it's possible. If we will begin every morning reminding ourselves, every day is missions day. I don't know if you realize this or not, but this is actually written into our church's mission statement. To be a church who helps others find hope and live with purpose. Church, you tell me, what word is right in the middle of our mission statement? Say it loudly. Others. Others. And here's the great irony. As we help others find hope and live with purpose, we find more hope, and we live with even greater purpose. It's only when we ask, what's in it for me, that we begin the transition from being a movement to a museum, and I don't think God's going to be very happy with that. Amen? I want you to hear me when I, when I say, don't wait on the church for you to be the church. Well, I wish our church did this, and I wish our church did that. No, 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 no. We push that out of our vocabulary. Who's the church? We are. We're the church. If you see something that needs to be done, roll up your sleeves and get in there and do it. Don't wait on the church for you to be the church. Every single one of us is a missionary. Let's never forget that. And here's the thing, we are called to do this in the most simplistic of ways, just in the daily rhythms of life. You don't have to have a Ph.D. in theology to love somebody in Jesus' name. Just love them in Jesus' name. Remember, God started with shepherds. These are the most ordinary of ordinary, but God does something extraordinary through them, and it makes all the difference. It's just a few short weeks until something starts happening in our community that happens every year. The Salvation Army will start bringing their red kettles out, and there'll be individuals who'll be standing at the front door of HEB and, and uh, other department stores and around town, and they'll be ringing that bell. And we'll drop by, and we may throw in a quarter or two, some spare change, maybe a dollar bill, and we'll, we'll say Merry Christmas, and we'll, we'll kind of go about the business of our day, and we probably won't really think about it too much more. But there's a story behind the story of the Red Kettle that you may not know much about. The Salvation Army was founded by General William Booth, and he basically began this as just a simple outreach to the poor in London and it didn't take too long that it became a worldwide phenomenon. His volunteers were called his soldiers. After all, it is the Salvation Army. They were attending a historic international convention, and General Booth was actually scheduled to deliver the keynote address, but he became sick, and so he couldn't attend the conference. As a matter of fact, he became so sick, that this particular illness actually took his life. And so he is on his deathbed. And as he's lying there, William Booth dictates and sends a one-word telegram to the conference attendees. It was a one-word sermon that became his legacy. And that word is? I love this quote from Donald Posterski, who wrote a book entitled Reinventing Evangelism. He said, the gospel will be perceived as feasible, a feasible alternative when those who do not know God have a positive personal experience with people who do. And so I want to leave you with this thought on Mission Sunday. The best way to see the church in action is to be the church in action. So let's be the church. And may God get the glory. And may the peace of Christ rule in the hearts of all mankind. Amen? Amen.